Good afternoon. It's a beautiful day to be in church. My name is Pastor Rich, and I love you guys, and I also love this amazing cold weather. And anybody else beside me, cold weather people? <laughs> a few of you. Some of you are like, I moved to Brownsville to get away from the cold. <laughs> I'm glad that you're here today. If you're watching online and you're all snuggled up in your blanket, I want to talk to you about a different type of warmth that you can find even when you're not in your blanket. It's found right here. It's found among these people. Come, come back. That We were designed for community. We were designed to be intimately connected to each other. So come back. But I'm glad you're watching. Welcome, welcome. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about men and women from Bible times who've been called by Jesus to follow him. And when they responded to that call and said, I will follow you, man, their lives became very different. Not only were they different, God called them to get used to different, to be used to different every single day. It's not just something for a time, it was something for their lives. Now, we've been using a lot of different clips from the TV show, The Chosen, and I really want you to watch it. So if you will use the promo code PASTORRICH20, you can get a 20% discount on a download. Okay, that's not true. I'm joking. I'm joking. That will not work. You'll get an error message or something. Guys, I just, I just want you to, to watch it. It is so good. Pastor Bo and I love this, love this particular series. Check it out. Download it. I'm not paid for that announcement. <laughs> well, today we're going to look at the life of a man named Matthew. Matthew's life wasn't just different when he met Jesus. It's like Jesus took his life and turned it upside down. I want to try to give you a picture of what Matthew was like. I want you to see into his character, to see who he was before we get started. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Go ahead, you can do that. Close your eyes. And I want you to imagine this with me. I want you to imagine that person you absolutely have the least amount of joy being around. <laughs> imagine that person who makes your skin crawl, your heart ache, your smile disappear, your nerves frazzle. Imagine the person that right now you don't want to imagine. They're rude, evil, corrupt, and stuck in their ways, and they will never change. Okay, you can open up your eyes. Who is that ugh person in your life? Everybody's got one, that ugh, they just make you go ugh. That was Matthew. That was Matthew. Check out this video. Keep your voice down. 
Pardon me, Mr. Public Highness. It's me that don't want to be seen with you, remember? It's Public Highness. I like it the other way, tax man. Hey, hey, hey! It's a month's salary for all my sons combined right there. You just toss them out? These are my property. I do with them as I wish. I pay you to drive. You sift through trash on your own time. Driving you's a bit of both now, isn't it? <laughs> if any citizen asks about my cargo, I must tell the truth. <laughs> it's the biggest pile of dung in all Capernaum. <laughs> Stop. Wait, this is the far side of the market. Get out. No, no, this is the job. You drive so I don't walk to the market. It's too crowded. Out. I'll pay you double. Money won't buy this thing of me and my family if I am seen with you. Out. Catch that? Matthew is despised. He's despised. Matthew's despised because he's a tax collector. Now, right now it's tax season, and everybody's thinking of our beloved IRS. Maybe not. But our tax collectors, our tax collectors, are nothing like the tax collectors of Jesus' time. Those tax collectors gave no deductions. No deductions for dependents. They gave no government paybacks for COVID. They gave no refunds, period. Tax collectors were allowed and encouraged to overcharge and then to keep that money for themselves. Now, if an IRS agent did that today, he'd be in prison yesterday. Roman tax collectors were straight up corrupt. That was Matthew. Yet Jesus wanted him just the way he was. Guys, as we've been going through this series, I continue to be blown away by this thought. Jesus wants us just the way we are. He says, you don't need to change before you come into my life, before you respond to my call. He says, I want you just the way you are. Jesus wanted Matthew. Check out this video. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> Isn't that so cool? Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. I want you to pull out your notes right now because I want you to underline something. What I'm about to read to you is from Matthew's account. It's talking, Matthew talking about himself. He actually wrote a book in the Bible called Matthew. 
And this is what he says. He's describing this very thing. He says, Jesus walked along and he saw a man named Matthew. Jesus saw him. He was sitting at a tax collector's booth and he said, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew did what? He got up and followed Jesus. I want you to understand that this is crucial. In fact, I want you to understand that. Got up and followed him. This is huge. Matthew was not looking for Jesus. Matthew seems to, be, to have been oblivious to Jesus, as well as unaware of this, this huge contrast between his life and the life of someone who follows God. He didn't see his need for Jesus. Bible teachers describe Matthew as a man whose heart was so hard that he no longer felt anything. He showed up every day to do a job that brought no honor to anyone but himself. Even up to that very morning when Jesus walks into his life. Maybe that's you this morning. You may not have walked in here looking for Jesus. But Jesus has not stopped looking for you. Or maybe you walked in here this morning and you know someone like Matthew. You may be related to them. You know that that person has no desire to change. They continue to walk in their sin without any remorse. Their hearts are so hard that they no longer sense the God-sized hole in their lives that can be filled only by him. They will never change. My father-in-law, Jose, was like that. Jet black hair in his 60s when I met him. He was the kind of guy who could make a grown man squeal simply by grabbing his hand and giving him a handshake. And he would make me do that every time we got together. I think it was because I was dating his daughter. He's like, he was that kind of a guy, strong. He also seriously struggled with anger and alcohol. He had no desire to change. He was stuck in his ways. We all know people like that. We may be that person. Listen to me. Jesus still wants you. Jesus loves people like that. And Jesus wants, this is the crazy part. This is the powerful part. Jesus wants to use you and me. He wants to use us to reach those kind of people. The way we respond to people like that, the way we reach out to them, the way we see them and respond can and will make a difference in whether their hard hearts change. Check out this clip. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you. What are you doing? 
Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. There it is. Get used to different. Did you catch that? Peter has a problem with Matthew. And he makes it visible. In fact, most of the, the disciples who followed Jesus had a problem with Matthew. You see, they can't see what Jesus sees in him. All they see in Matthew are his faults and his failures. You know, that's one of the most natural reactions we have to people who have messed up. People who don't believe what we believe. People who are closed-minded. People who are different than us. We see this all over social media. Cancel them, avoid them, ignore them, insult them. Jesus saw this very trait in his disciples. He saw it among the religious leaders of his day. And he said that, that this can't keep happening. This attitude, it saturated society in Jesus' time. Just like it does in our time. And Jesus says to run from that attitude. To get away from it. To have no part of that kind of thinking. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and he humbled himself in obedience to God. Jesus was different and he calls us to be different. To be open to change. Friends, if we want to see change, if we want to feel our own hardened hearts change, if we want to see others' hardened hearts open up to follow Jesus, we also must be open to change. Be open to change. We need to allow God to teach us to be open to people that, that are different from us, to humbly love them. The problem is we're like Peter. We think, you don't know what they've done. You don't know what they're like. You don't know what they did to me. I have every right to dislike that person. The problem is we don't believe we have a problem. We're kind of like that old grandpa, the story of this old grandpa. He's old. He needs a nap. His grandkids are hanging out with him during the day, but he says, I'm going to go take a nap. He goes to the bedroom, lays down, takes a nap, and his grandkids are like, we're going to prank grandpa. We're going to totally get him. So they go to the refrigerator. By the way, my grandsons are watching online. Don't get any ideas, okay? <laughs> so they, they go to 
the refrigerator and they find the stinkiest thing they can find. They find some Limburger cheese. Okay, if you don't know what Limburger cheese is, I've actually tasted it. It is the nastiest stuff you have ever tasted. It smells like toenails. It's, okay, it's nasty, okay? And so you get the picture. They take this, they take a chunk of it, they stick it into the microwave, and they carefully, with a knife, because they don't want to touch it, they carefully smooth it into Grandpa's beard. Oh! And he wakes up, and the first thing he says is, it stinks in here. And he goes into the kitchen. It stinks in here too. Then he opens the front door, walks out. The whole world stinks. <laughs> we can be like that old grandpa. We can sniff out the sins and shortcomings of everyone around us, thinking everyone stinks except us. When in reality, the stinks on us. The Bible says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? First, get rid of the log in your eye. Then you'll be able to see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. The first step to being open to change is recognizing who we are. We are no better than the one who str we struggle the most to accept. We are all sinners. I want you to find a spot in your notes and I want you to write this truth in. I want you to do it in your own handwriting. I want you to write, I am no better than anyone else. I am no better than anyone else. Let's be open to change by being open to see ourselves as sinners. It starts there. But then, and then there's another step. The next step to be open to change is to be open to correction. I memorized this verse, and this is, I believe, a powerful one. I memorized it as a teenager. I'm going to see if I can still do it. It goes like this. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Point, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me. Who tells God that? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting life. We need to allow God to point out the things we can't see or we don't want to see. Nothing will ever change if we don't take this step, being open to correction. We start doing this by reading God's word, the Bible, with intention, the intention of being corrected. Okay, how many of you have opened up your Bible and you're reading through this and you're like, that's totally, my wife should be reading this. Or, man, if only my kids saw this. Or, if only somebody, and you know exactly who that somebody, if only they were reading this. You know what? I'm going to post this onto my Instagram story because that person needs to see this. No. We must allow the Bible to make us different. Listen to what the Bible says. Every scripture is inspired by God. All of scripture 
is useful for teaching, pointing out my errors, correcting people, and training them for a life that has God's approval. Now, it's very easy to read through that scripture and still think this is for them. This is not for me. So what I want you to do is I want you to go back to that verse in your notes, and I want you to add some words, and I want you to cross out a few words. And here's the first one. Right after pointing out, I want you to put one of those little arrows pointing down into that gap before errors, and I want you to put the word my errors. And then after the word correcting, I want you to cross out people, and I want you to put above it the word me. And then after the word training, I want you to cross out that word them, and I want you to get bold here. I want you to put your full name above that. It's going to sound something like this. Every scripture passage is inspired by God. All of scripture is useful for teaching, pointing out my errors, correcting me, and training Richard Terrence Walter Jr. for a life that has God's approval. Let's allow God to change us by asking God to use the Bible to correct us. But let's not stop there. Let's also be open to the idea that God uses, now what I'm about to say is going to be hard to hear. God uses people that are different than us to change us, to correct us. Man, I know this is hard to hear. It's hard for me to hear. Okay, let me share an experience that actually happened last week. Okay, I have this problem of using the word we when I actually mean anyone but me. Okay, so I look to Maria as we're walking back into the house and the door is unlocked after being away for a little bit. We must have left the door unlocked. Or I I can't find the book that I placed on the table. We must have moved that book. Now, back in the day, when we had a lot of people living in our house, our children and their friends were coming and going, we could be a lot of people. But now it's just Maria and I in our little house, and when I say we, what I really mean is not me, I mean you, Maria. (laughs) What I'm really saying is Maria makes mistakes, I don't. By the way, I didn't get that revelation on my own. Maria, my wife, pointed it out. (laughs) It was her correction. Someone who's different than me. As hard as it was to hear, that's bringing about change in my life. You see, when we reject correction, it's like we're standing in our house and there's a knock at the door. We open the door and there's a fireman. He's got a hold of the door. He's saying, come out, your house is on fire. He's pointing to the flames shooting out of our our roof. And what we do instead is we grab the door, pull it shut, and walk back into the flames. When we reject correction from those who love us, We're walking back into the very flames that will destroy us. It is crucial that we invite people to speak into our lives, allowing them to point out things that are unhealthy. The Bible says a person standing alone can be attacked and will be defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
I want you to find another spot in your notes. And in your handwriting, it's going to be hard. I want you to write these words. I will be open to correction from my godly friends. I will be open to correction from my godly friends. Let's be open to different by being open to godly change. But let's not stop there. Check out this video clip. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Does anyone want any grapes? Barnaby, you eat a lot. <laughs> Very absurd. Thank you. Simon? You know, Matthew, when you're not behind iron bars, you're quite handsome. I agree. Ah. <laughs> what is going on? May I help you? We were just on a walk and we heard voices, and I thought it sounded like... But surely not. And yet it is you. Would you like to come in? We would never. Never be caught dead in a... In a what? In a tax collector's house? Not only that, but we say... Do you know what she... And he... They are... You seem to be having troubles finding your words, man. Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Mm. Did you see that? This wasn't an isolated occurrence. Jesus hung out with people who no one else would hang out with. Jesus made it a habit of spending time with people that were different than him. Jesus actually shared with these people so often that the religious leaders in the Bible approached him about it. They said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? One Bible version actually says, why does your teacher eat with scum? Jesus pursued relationships with people that were different than him. We must do the same. Pursue relationships with those who are different. We must allow ourselves to see people through the eyes of Jesus. We must make time to look at the world through other people's eyes instead of dissing them on social media. Get used to different by pursuing different kinds of relationships. Fill your life with them. Sit down and listen to them. Before I became a pastor, I was a construction worker. I built homes and buildings for a living. And I had a job going on right down the street here. It was on Central Boulevard. We built a, a doctor's office. And every lunch, we would go to Stripes, the one right across from Lowe's. You know where it is, and we'd have a delicious lunch there. For us at that time, at that, and we could afford this, we were burning calories, we would buy a big bag of, of Doritos 
and we would cut the top off of the scissors and fill it with that melted cheese from the nacho and then layer it with jalapenos and that would be our lunch. And it was delicious. <laughs> Horrible for you, but it was delicious. Well, there was this guy who also ate lunch there every day and he was homeless. Every day he was there. Well, one day my partner and I decided, you know what, let's start buying him lunch. So every day we started buying him lunch. And after about a week of this, we just said, you know what? Let's sit down with him and eat lunch with him. Now, although we looked very much the same, we all looked homeless, my ratty work clothes all full of dirt, my hair all over the place, we were very different. But I, I cherish those conversations with this man. God spoke to me about being more compassionate. As I listened to him talk about being homeless, God moved my heart and allowed me to see things I'd never seen before. Our differences make us better. We need people in our lives who are different. And you know what? This doesn't come naturally. We have to be intentional about these kinds of relationships. If we don't, we won't. Jesus calls us to take his love to everyone, not just those that fit so snugly into our friend group on social media. In fact, that is Jesus' greatest commandment to us. He says in the Bible, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And we're all like, yeah, love God. Yeah, I'm, I'm no problem. That, yeah. But then Jesus tacks on this second part. It's a second commandment. He says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And because Jesus knows we're going to take that word neighbor and make it fit only those who think like we do, who love what we love, who are just like us, Jesus makes it crystal clear to his followers through his actions, like inviting Matthew to come be a part of his group. He makes it crystal clear that our neighbor is not just the person we're comfortable with, but the people that are different from us. Start tomorrow morning as you're sitting on the edge of your bed and pray and ask God to put those kind of people in front of you and to give you the courage to see them. Get used to different by pursuing relationships with people that are different than you. Start now. But don't stop there. Take it a step further. Serve those who are different. Serve those who are different. Matthew, man, he totally got that point. He served all of those different people at his house. Matthew made it a point to record Jesus' command to serve those who are different than him in his own book in Matthew. He says this, and he's quoting Jesus. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into my house. Boy, that doesn't sound safe. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. 
We are all called to serve people who are different than us. Friends, allow those that you might see as outsiders, people that are different from you, to see and feel your actions of love. Allow them to experience Jesus through you. Start out simple. If you see that rough looking guy at, at Home Depot and it's like some guy you would never go talk to before and you see him struggling to put a sheet of plywood in the back of his pickup truck, go up and help him. Or give, this one's a harder one, give that homeless person your attention. Okay, I, I get you. You're, you got your steering wheel and you're, you're, in, you're stopped at the stoplight right there at the intersection of Central and, and uh, 802 and you're like, don't look to the left. Don't look to the left. Don't, don't. He's going to ask for money. Don't look to the left. No, don't do that. Look to the left. Roll down your window. Give them a greeting. Tell them hello. And then at the next U-turn, go around and stop at Whataburger and bring them back a burger. Or maybe it's simply joining the greeting team right here at BCF and standing outside those doors with someone you've never met before, welcoming people you've never seen before. Or maybe you need to take it a step further. Maybe you need to sign up and go on a missions trip. Yesterday, we came and we had this amazing teaching, and it's all that stuff that's on the wall over there, all those papers. We, we learned how to effectively share our faith, and we had fun in the process. It was really an amazing time. Maybe that's the step you need to do. We're going to do a mission trip here soon, and we'd love for everybody to be a part of that. Or maybe it's finding the phone number for Good Neighbor Settlement House, downtown Brownsville, and then agreeing to volunteer, volunteer there, feeding the homeless. And then after you're done feeding them, sit down and talk with them. Our family did that regularly growing up, and it changed my kids' lives. Now my children, Misty Dawn and Richie, they blow my mind with their ability to love and care for people that are different. They're like magnets for the hurting and the lost. And it is beautiful to see them share Jesus with them. I believe that this attitude came from a foundation built on serving people that are different than them. Parents, you can give your children that same foundation. Serve people that are different than you. Serve people that are different than you. Being different and serving people that are different, it isn't optional for us as Christians. If we don't do it, we are in danger. I want you to listen to the follow-up verses to the ones I just read you about when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. This is a follow-up verse. It says, then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with me, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. 
heavy words for us this morning. I know this is hard. I know this is different. I know this is a challenge, but we can do this. We can do this. You see, God loves the hard-hearted. He loves the lost. He loves the different. And God wants to reach them. He wants to reach those people that, that are unreachable. And he wants to use you to do it. Remember how I shared that my father-in-law, Jose, was one of those hard-hearted people? My mother-in-law, her name was Maria also. She never stopped praying for him. She prayed for him for over 20 years. She kept showing and reflecting Jesus to him. One day he showed up after a drinking binge, totally drunk and totally ready to change. That night he gave his life to the Lord in front of my mother-in-law and he never drank again. And not only did God change his drinking habits, he totally changed his personality. Someone needs to hear this. Jesus hasn't given up on you. Jesus hasn't given up on them. Jesus wants the hard-hearted. He calls them to himself. Their hearts are not too hard for Jesus. Maybe you're like my father-in-law, or maybe you know someone like my father-in-law. Don't give up on God. He can change you. He can change the hardest heart. Keep praying. Keep reflecting Jesus. Those two actions will peel away the layers of hardened heart and make it easier for them to experience God's love and his forgiveness. Jesus said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Don't get tired. The impossible is possible to Jesus. Friends, we can do this. Let's look for people who are different and let's get involved in their lives. Let's be a part of God's softening presence to the hard-hearted. We can do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know that there are people who've walked in here and their hearts are very hard. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the words that were spoken today would have served as an ointment, as a salve, as a medication that just softened their heart, that started the peeling away of the layers, and that they'd be open to experiencing you in exciting and new ways. And Lord, I pray for those in here who have family members whose hearts are hardened, and, and our natural reaction is to say they will never change. Lord, I thank you that we aren't God. We don't call the shots. I thank you that you do. And I pray that you would begin the work of softening their hearts. And that you would give us the courage to keep praying for them. Keep showing them the love of Jesus. We ask for your help in this area, Lord Jesus. And we ask for it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.